going on almost canonites it's almost canon with your favorite host nick billiards what's up nicholas oh not a whole lot you know just back fresh back from the mail route he brought all the sweet little boys and girls all their packages and they're all happy and they're all tucked away in their beds sounds like christmas santa claus came yes it is christmas every day we know it's groundhog day Tomorrow's Groundhog Day. Tomorrow's Groundhog <gasps> Really? Yeah. Oh, my Feb- God. February 2, man. What do, you, what do you think old Punxsutawney Phil is going to predict for us this year in 2023? Well, he better predict spring. He goddamn well better. Or I'm going to be having myself a damn good meal tomorrow. <laughs> groundhog. Mmm, gamey. Is the way I like it. And let me also introduce for our listeners everybody's favorite uh, guest. She's been on five, ten times already now. How many times do you say you've been here, Darcy? Oh, three or seven. Darcy, more stars, ladies and gentlemen. Three to seven. A million. <laughs> wow. In my dreams, this is really a dream come true for me. Oh, Darcy, we're so happy that you're here. And Nick, I'm so happy that you're here calling in your remote and this might be the last week that you're remote from what i understand is that is that correct for at least two weeks i would imagine and we're gonna get you in here in the studio again right and i have to yeah we'll talk about it afterwards but um i'm gonna have to remain remote for a little while why i gotta we'll talk i mean i guess we can we don't yeah we probably don't want to let the listeners in on all the all the details, right? The Velociraptor right. Claws waiting for you. Well, good. I know, it's been lonely. I haven't forgot about her. We're trying to give her some attention and reassure yep. her. Give her all the attention she needs. Okay. <laughs> she is lonely. You know, um, Nick, I wanted to say something real quick, uh, which is a, a plea, and, as we, and we do this every week, but it's a plea to our listeners. Yeah, go ahead and plug that in, Darcy. That's cool. Yeah, plug it on in. And then you got to press the button on it, too. Um, it's Be gentle with it. Christ. God, you're, there's a... Oh, you're pulling it. Ah, oh, there. Thank you. Um, a, a plea to our listeners. Listeners, we have an Instagram account. And I happen to be one of the admins for said account. And we have a pathetically small following on there right now. <laughs> Usually, I, I would bullshit and say... We got a huge following and it's crazy and it's blowing up, but I'm, I'm not just going to come clean with you. We got nobody. Nobody's following. So please, please, if you're listening right now, tell a friend, tell your family, go to Instagram and follow Almost Canon Pod. That's all one word and subscribe and just follow us and comment and heart and do all the shit that you do on Insta. I don't know. I'm old, but we just need you to do that stuff because there's good content on there. Dude, when we get, when, I forgot to send you that video, I'm telling you, man, when we get that video put together, <laughs> we'll be getting people from right out of the woodwork, man. We'll, they'll be showing up from places we didn't even know existed. 
I can't wait to, to get into the video realm. Uh, we haven't broached that yet, but we're gonna. And once we do, you're right. I, I, I think things are gonna, are gonna take off even more than they have already. Ooh, that's pretty. I think that's where, you know, that's where the majority of people, I think, uh, get their content from. Like YouTube like, and videos and TikTok yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So we can steal some of them. That'd be perfect. Let me get eyes on that. Um, uh, I think what we're doing here is good. I like listening to us. I do too. Yeah, I think, I think like podcasts are like for the, you know, the super advanced listener. Absolutely. And you, know, you got the people with the short attention spans that need to watch 30 second videos every 20 seconds. Right. And yeah. you get the ones who are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need more. I want a deep dive. Yeah. And that's when they get into podcasts. I think I've always been the person that um, I really... Every job I've had since I graduated from college has been one where I do not have to interact with other human beings. That gives me plenty of time just to sit back and really, like, go along for a ride with whatever I'm listening to. And it's been podcasts for like a decade or more now. Yeah. Maybe 20 years. Every job I've had since, you know... I got out of school. My my half college degree that I got. I haven't had to deal with anybody really either. So I'm in the same boat. Perfect. I've been listening to podcasts for I don't even know how long. Right. Before that, like books on tape. Same. Books on tape. Well, nobody even knows what a tape is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> tape. Well, grandson, you technically shouldn't know what a tape is because you're you're young. You're youngin', but I what guess... What, 8-track? <laughs> yeah, Dar- Darcy and I know all about the, the wax cylinder. Books on Laserdisc. Laserdisc. It's unwieldy, but damn, is it high quality. No, they should do books on 8-track. They do. Do they? They did. Nah. Nobody, nah. nobody read back then. So. <laughs> Darcy... I said I wasn't going to say anything. You're going to say plenty. I'm going to listen, but I do, I'm do. i so interested in the Fae folk. I can't believe it. That's a great transition. Why don't we get into it um, here on Almost Canon with Nick Billiards. Hey, Nick, what are we talking about this week? Yeah, I wanted to continue our discussion from last week. Really? Oh, man, I don't know. I did not like that episode. Why? It just did not sound good to my ears. It hurt hurt my ears man i just did i don't know i was just like uh, 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 uh was it too time. loud is that why it hurt or no it was me you didn't like the sound of your own voice? i got really caught up on this one part where i was like trying to figure out like uh how um oh it's happening again. it's happening uh, again uh you know i was trying to figure out like where folk fit into you know the archaeological record sort of mm. uh, I got really stuck on that and I got caught up and I think it just ruined everything I I listened to it and I enjoyed it I, I 
I mean, I'm always listening for my own charming uh, comments and witticisms, so... Well, hopefully it's just me, then. You know, like, that thinks that. Oh, yeah, no, I just turn off my brain when I hear you talk. It's definitely one of my favorite topics, you know? Me too. It, it is, and it, and it will be, and it's in it forever. Can I ask a question? Do you spell F-A-Y or F-E-Y? Well, we I put, when I uploaded it to Anchor, um, there's a little plug for Anchor.fm for all your podcasting. Anchor. Anchor.fm. That's where we got our podcast hosted. Anyway, uh, I spelled it F-E-Y, but I've also seen it F-A-E or F-A-Y as well. Hmm. Yeah, so there's different spellings. Nick, what do you, how do you spell it? F-A-E. Yeah, that's like the old, cool, like more mystical spelling, I think. Yeah. Got the A and the E in there to make mm-hmm. it just doubly cool vowels. So many vowels. Yeah. It wasn't a voice, it was like a whisp- whistling wind. Were, I'm hearing voices again. Is something that happened on, on your end, Nick? We, we're hearing like a little low. My dad just pulled up really quick, but now he's gone. Oh. Hi, Dad. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it only when I'm here where, where I hear voices? Nope. I don't know. Nope. We're getting a little bit of background interference and if you listen to uh, episode 17 you definitely will hear a woman's voice on the telephone i didn't hear it dude i listened and i didn't hear it i was here and it did happen but when i listened i didn't hear it you gotta put on some headphones and really um have have them be noise isolating it's you don't hear it when you play it over a speaker but if you put on those headphones and get real close you'll 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 be able to discern it all right i'm trusting Sharp-eared listeners, report back. I know you're out there. I know you hear it. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm insane. I mean, I am insane. That's probably true. So, uh, hold on one sec. Just take care of a little housekeeping really quick. Okay. Without you. I got us two guests coming on. One next week. And one maybe the week after. That's so exciting. Yeah. And they're coming here to Lonely Highway Studio? Well, one of them... No, one... Uh, one of them lives in North Carolina. He's gonna have to call in. Okay. Yeah, we can't we can't fly him up here. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Petty uh, cash. Yeah. But he's gonna talk about this this world ending asteroid. Um, it sounds pretty interesting. Sounds pretty scary. I don't want the world to end yet. <laughs> well, maybe he'll have some information that will help us know how to survive. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like if a world-ending asteroid hits the world, we're going to be like... Go in the basement. Uh, Go in the basement. Ticking clock at that point. Get in the basement. It's called Apophis. They call it Apophis. Which is like the Egyptian god of destruction. Oh, God. Well, now I want to know Literally. about that. <laughs> wow. Well, Things we, to come. We can wait. We can wait. Anyway, so he'll be calling in from North Carolina. Who's the other one? Who's the other one? Yeah, who's the other? Tell, tell, tell. And the other one is, his name's Nick. Uh, He sent in a story a while ago, way back when, about like some demonic creature that they saw in an abandoned building. Right, they were were videotaping it and and the camera went dead. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this this guy, he, he like gets into groups. I don't know where he finds these people. But they go and they like explore these uh, these huge abandoned like complexes and buildings, 
like old asylums and stuff. They'll go into them, like in oh. Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Asylums. he's been in a bunch of these buildings, and he's going to come on and talk about you know some of them. Cool. Damn. So he's going to come over to uh, come over here to Lonely Highway Studio. Yeah. Well, he says he is. We'll see. Well, he's maybe he'll like calling in, but he's, he's wel- coming on. He's welcome to come th- over. I mean, I don't know him from Adam, but uh, I trust him. He's do a background check. He's a mail carrier. Is that right? Oh, yeah. No, mail carrier. Yeah, we're good. Oh, you guys are in a fraternity together. I trust all mail carriers. Yeah, I guess I won't give it away, but he works at this place, and man, they they sell some damn good food. On you know after his route or whatever. Oh, he works at a restaurant as well. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. He's bringing the cash. Tell him to bring uh, some takeout from said location, and uh, we'll have a nice little feast over here. Yeah, that'd be sweet. But um. By the way, where is the uh, where are the uh, where's the catering tonight? Usually, there's catering at, when I come. Well, I got a big pot of um, peppers and onions and beans and uh, cayenne paprika. Oh, nice. Some chili peppers. Um, but we're, we're gonna eat it after. We're gonna make some nachos with some some cheddar jack. What? Lots of beans. Lots of beans. You know Watch out! Means. Watch out! <laughs> I should have came over. You should have, man. We're getting good food going over here. Well, it's really because Darcy's here. If she wasn't here, I'd be eating slop. <laughs> well, it's in my contract. It's in my rider. <laughs> Yeah, she said, as soon as she, as soon as she asked if we were doing a podcast tonight, she said, well, put on the grub. Darcy's coming <laughs> over. And then I did. I put on my apron and uh, I got cooking. <laughs> That's a cute image. All right. Okay. Let's get into this. Let's get into it. Let's do it. I'm going to do a little, uh, little, little clap and we can put a little soundtrack in here. Ready? Ha! And all right, Nick, you are go. All right. Actually, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about really quick. Okay. But it's important. I think it's really cool. Um, and it's in this National Geographic article I read the other day. So, have you guys ever heard of Dyatlov Pass? What pass? Dyatlov. It's, a Ru- it's Russian. It's a Russian, um, you know, it's on a Russian mountain. No, have you ever I, heard of it? I no. have not. I've not heard of that. All right. Uh, so in like uh, nineteen, I think it was like nineteen fifty-eight or nineteen fifty-nine, there were these nine hikers, seven men, two women, and they were they went to this. I think it was like Ural Polytechnic Institute or something. So they were college students. Um, and I forget what they were in some sort of club or something. And they were trying to get some sort of badge or some sort of, uh, I don't know, they were getting something out of this, but they went on a 200-mile hike. Right? Whoa. Right. Just like through Russia. Oh, that's a long hike. Their feet hurt. must be hurt, hurting. Blisters. Yeah. I bet they got blisters. And like towards the end of the hike, you know, they're, they're really close to the end. They were like, I don't know, like a week away from being done. Oh no! They they pitched camp oh, no. on this mountain. For some reason, they chose like so 
It's just wide open mountain. There's no trees. It's just all open, right? Yeah. And picture like a big gradual slope. And so they're on the middle of the slope. Down below, there's trees. And like way off to the sides, there's trees. And they're in the middle of the slope. Kind of like Ape Canyon. Ah, callback. <laughs> and um, I remember Ape at Canyon. some point, at some point during the night, it was it was found out that they cut through the tent from the inside out and they all got up, ran out of the tent. And then a couple weeks later, their bodies were found, you know, scattered throughout the area. Oh, I have heard of this, this tale. And nobody knew how they died. Right. But, but they were, their bodies have been like destroyed by something. Like they had like crushed ribs. Oh. There's some of their skulls were crushed in, you know, I think they said it was like they had been hit by cars going 30 miles an hour. Um, but apparently recently, it was this art, in this article I read in National Geographic here. I'll, I'll just read this. Uh, in an article published today in the journal Communications, Earth and Environment, researchers uh presented data points to the likelihood that a bizarrely small delayed avalanche may have been responsible for the gruesome injuries and deaths of nine experienced hikers who never returned from a planned 200 mile adventure in Russia's Ural Mountains. That was North. just that was just published in the most recent uh, 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 yeah. issue. Really? Yeah. Wow. This week. Because I heard about that 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 story, and it was months and months ago that I I read about it, and I know it happened a lot longer ago than that. Yeah, so they they always like discounted the av- avalanche theory. Yeah, because the slope was wasn't steep enough. They never thought the sl- the slope was steep enough. Yeah, it caused an avalanche. But these scientists, they let's see here. I got it written down. Uh, it's, uh, it says the new this new report suggests that due to this catabolic winds, so they're like uh, like super powerful winds. Catabolic? Uh, yeah. I never heard that word. <laughs> yeah, it's some you know fantasy science lingo. Um, that apparently the hikers reported these winds that night, so they left like journals and stuff. Uh-huh. They reported like the winds were super bad, so these. These scientists are saying that the winds would have carried enough snow down the mountain, deposited it around the campsite. Um, so they, when they pitched their tent, they had dug into the snow, so that they kind of had like a uh, like a level base. Yeah. So these, so these scientists are saying that uh, due to the the winds that had carried the snow around the, the campsite. Um, they say an SUV-sized chunk of ice could have been loosened enough after the snow had been added, you know, around the campsite, and that that tiny bit of snow would have been the avalanche that took them out, sort of. So it wouldn't have been like a huge avalanche. It would have just been a tiny little one, which was why it didn't, you know, when they went, when the searchers went up there and found the tent and everything, it was covered in snow, but it wasn't covered in that much snow. Catabolic. No, this wasn't caused by an avalanche. Fudgical. Dude, uh, that sucks. Imagine hiking 200 miles and then some catabolic winds come up and just like (laughs) F you. Right. And apparently they used, um, 
they used whatever kind of computer graphic generator the the animators of Frozen used oh, to figure yeah. the simulation out. Oh. That was kind of cool. I don't know how that applies, but I'll buy it. What's that song? So like they, they, they entered all there this information into their computer, used the graphics that they used for Frozen, like the Disney movie with all the snow. Let they it used go! That snow graphics. <laughs> And they figured this out somehow. I don't know. I don't know Let if I go. believe it or not, but I guess it it adds a little more weight to the uh, avalanche theory. Catabolic, man. Yeah, when you get Elsa and Anna involved, man, forget about it. Get to the <laughs> bottom of it. Maron. Let it go. Forget about Let it. Let it go. Okay, Darcy. We're going to have to clear that with Disney. We've already... <laughs> I can show you the world. <laughs> we already did tried that one, and they. Part of right. the world. Disney. I think you guys are getting way, way, way too close to uh, lawsuit territory. Disney, the Disney goons will come, and they will basically destroy this studio. Well, I'm concerned about the <laughs> catabolic wind. Is that a demonic sort of wind, or is it an actual type of wind? Well, it's what? catastrophic and parabolic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what it means. I don't know why they call it that. I don't but know why like, they call it that. But. It's like sciency, sciency, not demonology-ish. I already said it's catastrophic and parabolic. What does parabolic mean? I know what catastrophic means. A parabola. A parab- oh, parabola. An unexplained phenomenon. Parabola. I forgot what a parabola means. A parabola well, is like... Break the word down. Parabolic. So para, you know, like... Balls? A pair, like two, two balls. <laughs> oh, bollocks. no. Oh, it means bullshit, basically. Bollocks. You guys are... Oh, bollocks. Bollocks. All bollocks. right. Can we... Let's move... Let's get on to the topic at hand, please. Can you get us on track, please? Please, all Nicholas. Right. All right, all right, all right. We're very distractible. Highly distractible. Yeah. So let's continue our talk on safe folk. Okay, right where did we leave off last week? I know we were, ta- we were talking about gin. Yes, forget all that. Forget it. Forget all that. Okay, We're talking about Fey Folk Clean here slate. in America. America! What? American Fey Folk? Yeah. American Fey Folk! <laughs> Stay away from... Actually, come, come to me. I got several locations. I got several different locations that are... Um, I don't really know how I want to describe these locations. They're just very weird you know like weird things happen in these locations i've got several stories of what could be none other than say folk from american indian lore um and then i got a series of missing person cases taken from the missing 411 series where these people just completely vanished Oh, like they stepped into a fairy portal, you know? In the national forests of this country? Yeah. Yeah, my daughters believe there's some sort of something amiss in the national forest territories. Mm. Something otherworldly, because there's like all kinds of people disappearing. Whoa. Apparently. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I heard about Missing 401 a long time ago. I've listened to a lot, but 
you know. If you hopefully guys, one day. If hopefully you guys, one day. What? Hey, sorry. If you guys could, if you, if you, say you're given a choice to like enter the Fey realm, but you would never come back, would you take that? Um, no. I don't know. And they don't even give you any details on what it's going to be. It's just like, here, you can come into our realm, but you have to agree that you'll never return, and you, we're not going to give you any indication of what it's oh, going to be. Oh, no. No, no, no. That no? Is, that's always what it is. It's like the guy who was like trying to go back to Ireland, but you know, if you try, you can't go back. So you guys would not take that deal? No. No, because you wouldn't be able to come back. Yeah, but who cares? What if it's really awesome? But what if you missed your loved ones? Loved ones, schmoved ones. <laughs> I'm going in, baby. Bye. Bye. Yeah, but what if it's just full of, like, crazy monsters that, like, instantly kill you? Like the Upside Down and Stranger Things. Oh! Well... At least you could have had that experience. No one else could say they had it. No, if it was that, then I would... If they were like, you can come in, but we're going to kill you. They don't tell you, though. We're going to kill you. If they told you, then it would be easy to decide. (laughs) It would be easy to say, no, yeah, I'll pass. Okay, 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 okay. But what... Okay, never mind. I could do what if all day. Yeah. What if up was down? What if black was white? What if chocolate was growing on trees? (laughs) Et cetera. Technically, doesn't chocolate grow on... Trees? Oh, yeah. Coco. Coco. So, you're saying there's fey folk in America? America? Quite possibly, yes. I mean, yeah. it all you know, it all depends on how you look at it, really, you know? Ah, it all depends on how you look at it. Because, you know, obviously, the Native Ameri- Americans, you know, they have... They tell their lore and their folklore... Their mythologies is just as complex as, you know, Egyptians or uh, Greeks. Okay. Of course, you know, and they tell, they talk about uh, creatures and beings that are almost exactly like, you know, elf folk or, or dwarves or goblins. Right. So it, it all depends on how you look at it, really, you know. But there are also locations in the in the country, just like everywhere else around the world, where you know the veil between worlds might be a little thinner. So, we'll, get, we'll I'm gonna get into one of those right now. Awesome, I am ready. All right, you know what's really weird? What? So when you were playing the guitar last week, yeah, I didn't hear that over the podcast. Yeah, it, ba- it barely picks up on the mic, but for whatever reason, on my phone, it, I guess it amplifies it when you're uh, on your end, and it, like you said, it yeah, was like, really, really loud coming through. <laughs> all right, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. But, uh, all right, so there's this place called the Bridgewater Triangle. Yes, you talked about that a little bit last week. Okay, yeah. So, the Bridgewater... Yeah, I think I did. We'll talk about it again really quick. Yeah. So, it's a 200-square-mile section of woods in southern Massachusetts, you know, and paranormal activity is just off off the wall in this place. Uh, Bridgewater Corners, Massachusetts. (laughs) Southern southern Massachusetts. God damn it. Okay. Triangle. Yep. No. Okay. I'm with you. Uh, 
uh, one of the most active locations within the Bridgewater Triangle. So it, and, and it incorporates several different towns. I don't think I wrote any of them down, but uh, so there's several different. It's obvious they call it a triangle because uh, this guy Lauren Coleman, he's like this one of the original cryptozoologists. Yeah. Um, so he kind of like formed a triangle out of these towns, you know, when he's like, this is where the Bridgewater Triangle is. So, okay. Within that triangle, there's this place called the Hockamock Swamp. Hockamock Swamp. Yeah. Swamp. And it means uh, the place where evil spirits dwell. Oh, damn. And Wampanoag. And that Wampanoag was the tribe that was uh, of Native Americans, of indigenous yeah. people that lived yeah. there? Okay. Yep. And uh, so, like, it, the English settlers, they called it the Devil's Swamp. Oh, wow. So, like, even back then, there was there was crazy shit going on. So, the natives called it that, and then the English settlers came in, and they also agreed that it was messed up? I guess so, yeah. yeah. They called it the Devil's Swamp. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to get too in-depth into a lot of these topics. I just want to kind of bring them up, because we could do a whole episode on the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah, like there was there was so much going on there, and just like through the his, you know, from like if you read books about it or listen to things about it, just from like the '60s on, there's been so much different activity of really weird stuff. Um, so we're talking about like Thunderbird sightings. You know, I talked about the Pukwudgie last week was what I talked about. I think that's right. There's a lot of UFO. What's a Thunderbird? Um, a Thunderbird. So. It's a, it's a Native American lore. Uh, pretty much almost like every Native American tribe I've ever heard of has some sort of Thunderbird lore. It's just like a giant bird, like a giant bird. Uh, and usually it can control the weather in some way as it flaps its wings. Wow. Yeah. And there's some pretty interesting stories about Thunderbirds. I True. remember now. It seems to be like a uh, seems to be a strictly American creature. You know, you don't hear about a whole lot of large birds in like Europe. So. Thunderbird. Uh, there's a lot of UFO activity and unnatural animals, so they've seen, like, giant snakes in the area, uh, like, black panthers, shit, you know, shit like that. Whoa. Uh, you get the, uh, uh, what is it called? There was a little alien creature that, that was seen that's pretty famous. I sure what it's called. Can't think of it off the top of my head, but... Like sure an extraterrestrial creature? Yeah, like yeah, like a little alien. Whoa. Um. And so the area is known to be cursed by the Wampanoag. After uh, Anawan, he's like this hero figure. So he lost the wampum belt during the King Philip's War. So King Philip was it was an Indian chief who took the name King Philip. Um. Why? And so they went to war with the English settlers. And apparently, when this belt became lost, they cursed the land. And there's this this rock called Profile Rock within the triangle. 
that's shaped like a person's head. Like if you look at it from profile angle, it looks exactly like a person's head. And so apparently there's a ghost that sits on the rock. You know, he's got he's cross-legged with his hand reaching out like he's waiting for the belt to be returned. Oh wow. And that's the so, yeah, that's the legend. Hmm. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much the Bridgewater Triangle. There's a lot going on there that I didn't talk about. Um but the Puckwudgie, which is definitely some sort of fae folk. He's a, por- a porcupine-like creature. Yeah, they are seen throughout the Bridgewater Triangle quite, quite constantly. Are there multiple Puckwudgies or just one? Uh, we'll, I think we'll get into We might answer that okay. later on. Okay. Um, so I didn't write this one down, but we also... We have a place near us called the Bennington Triangle. I don't know if you ever heard of that. The the Bennington Triangle as in Bennington, Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. Bennington, Vermont. Uh, So it incorporates this mountain called Glastonbury Mountain. Oh, I know where this is going. I know Glastonbury Mountain. Oh, we know about that. I know of it. there There were like several strange disappearances in the area um you know bigfoot sightings things like that in glastonbury it's it's between wilmington and somewhere else over there i know it's the smallest little town in the world it's cute no it's like it's abandoned it's like an old i know but it's actually a township believe it or not there's like two people registered that live. oh yeah yeah no i think there are like two people or something that live there yeah i had to do a survey of it when i was working for the state and uh, sorry go ahead No, I was going to say, but there is also an abandoned town up there. That's right. Yeah, an abandoned town. Man, that would be cool to explore. Yeah, so when we get the guy, um, the Green Mountain Detectorist guy from YouTube, when he comes on, we, we do an interview with him. We should ask him about it because he did a whole series on on Glastonbury Mountain. He's, he's of the mind that it's all blown out of proportion and there's nothing creepy going on there. Um, oh. he'd be a good one to talk to about it. Is he a skeptic or is he is he a believer? Sounds more skeptical. I definitely think he's a skeptic. Okay, good because we need one of those. I that was supposed to be my job and I'm not doing great. But he's got a he's got an interesting Bigfoot story that that happened to him. I'll just leave it at that. This is I'm Nicholas sure. A. Are we talking about? No, this is uh, a Green Mountain Detectorist. Oh, oh, right. Okay, he's different a person. Channel. Gotcha. We'll, uh, uh. I'll ask him about it. Wait, is that Glastonbury thing said to have been, like, overcome by the Fey folk? Angry? Are they angry? Why did the people disappear? What happened? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really know if anyone knows why. I think they, they've only ever found one of the missing. They found a body of one of the, the women who went missing in Somerset Lake. Uh, I mean, that's that's really all I know. Somerset Lake Reservoir. That's right. Yeah, that's in Wilmington, right? I've been on that. I've been canoeing out on there. I have too. Not canoeing. I think I saw that body floating around. Oh, don't, Darcy. Yeah, so I went. I went gold panning up there once, and I went. This was like before I knew that it was in the Bennington Triangle, and it was weird. Like I kept getting a weird feeling, There's like gold? I was being watched. 
There's gold in Themthar Hills? I don't know if there is or not. I was just oh. trying. Well, I just want to just sorry. There, uh, one of our fans. Yeah, what are you looking at? Ew. Ben's. <laughs> Spank, goddamn. There's some it. naked ladies on your computer. Shut up! Underwear. <laughs> Darcy, keep it down. What? I just what are you talking about? <laughs> There's AI. It's AI generated. He's Don't... looking up. He's trying to like look up some of the stuff you're talking about, and some ladies came across. I undies. clicked. I clicked on a link that I shouldn't have. Okay, just <laughs> leave Wait, it at that. Can I say something? We just got a we just got a wire in from a Fay expert that I happen to know. Oh. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, um, yeah, this is coming from Alice May. M A E spelled like Faye, F A E. We used to have Alice May. We had her on this podcast at one point. Alice May is calling in from Windhall. Wasn't Vermont. her name Little Snuggles or something like that? She said she gave me three facts that she knows for a fact about Faye. First of all, if you see a fairy ring, which is a bunch of mushrooms in a circle, don't go in the middle of it. You'll have bad luck. I'm going in. Number two, they don't like silver. They don't like silver. No, or gold, and they don't like jewelry. So if you're in the forest, do not wear jewelry. But I wear my bling everywhere. And or I. <laughs> the third thing is that they love whistling and singing. Okay, so what I'm doing then? I'm walking into a mushroom ring, wearing my gold and whistling. You'll be protected then. No, I guess, I'll if be. You're with... I'll be brought into the realm. You know, a lot of people think that the fae uh, kind of disappeared or died off. When the Iron Age came around, because iron Ooh. is supposedly like a weakness of theirs. There's a connection. Oh, my God. See, I was wondering why Silver. they seem to have disappeared from the uh, from from the, from view. Yeah, that just reminded me of that. I forgot all about that. Wow. Oh, that's cool. interesting. So there's a connection. And there. iron said to like, uh, to, you know, you can defend yourself from like evil spirits and a lot of this, um, you know, magical stuff. With the use of iron. And but obviously silver is harder to come by. Yeah. And that's that's how Iron Maiden was formed. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop All right, it. So the second or the third the third area I got here is this it's called the Nevada Triangle. Okay. And this involves a lot of plane crashes. For some reason there's something in the area where you know, over 2,000 planes have crashed within the Nevada Triangle. So we got the Bridgewater Triangle, we got the uh, 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 Glastonbury Triangle, and the Nevada Triangle. Yeah. Those are the three so far. Okay, gotcha. Yep. And so 2,000 plane crashes have been recorded. Oh my frig. Um, and that includes this guy. He was a business mogul and adventurer named Steve Fawcett. You ever heard of him? Steve Fawcett? Yeah. What the hell was that? Well, he was he was like the super rich guy, right? And he was he was an adventurer, so he he uh he was really into like the air. So he did a lot of things that, you know, with airplanes and hot air balloons. Um huh. I think he I think he was he traveled around the world. Wait, wait, I got a good I got a good one. Hot air balloon? I got a good one. With a name like Fawcett, you'd think he'd be more into water. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Is he a Libra? But, uh, so, yeah, his plane crashed in the Nevada Triangle, uh, and he was missing. 
but they uh i they recently believe they found him they found his plane and they found a bone that matched his dna (gasps) oh so faucet yeah is he related to missing i think it was in the 1990s and like within the past decade they found this bone wow but they like they you know they had all these people looking for him they they you know, nobody found him. Uh, and then two hikers randomly found the airplane. And then they found his wallet, you know, and his, his flight paper, like his license and stuff. And they brought that back to whoever and they found him. But maybe I mean, it doesn't really have anything to do with the Fay. Maybe that's it's what be- the area seems to have a lot of, for some reason, a lot of planes crash in this area. There's something weird going on there, you know? Maybe that's what became a D.B. Cooper. <laughs> Sorry. Everything I say is a dud. Wait, I have a theory. Because the Fae do not like metal, they draw down the planes. They, they're like, ah, we're going to get you. We don't want you in the air. You're polluting. And they draw them down with their energy. Whoa. It's a theory. That's a great it could theory, be. Dar. Did you, and have you ever heard, you know how, you know, you know that movie Gremlins, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So in World War II, a lot of American pilots reported these things that they called Gremlins. They're these little, like, gremlin creatures that would get inside the plane and start fucking with all the, the electronics and the engines and shit, you know? Oh. It's like that Twilight Zone episode. There's a man on the wing of the plane. On the wing of the plane. There's something on the wing. <laughs> something. Wait, that's William Shatner. person. I haven't seen that in a long time. There's something on the wing of the plane. Oh, did you tell Nick that we started watching the thing? That thing? We didn't start the fire! Oh, yeah, and I was very disappointed of what I heard. What? Oh, that... Well, Darcy closed her eyes every time there was a gory or, or a violent or, like, a scene. I think you guys would like episode three. It was, you know, a lot of people said that it was the greatest um, episode to ever air on TV. That's okay. what you I get it. I understand why and everything. It was just not what I was looking for, really. That's what I, you want, I wanted action. I wanted oh. fucking machine guns and zombies and yeah. Why would that be the greatest episode of TV ever? What machine guns and zombies? Yeah. That, Nick's saying that's what he would want. I know, but that's yeah. that doesn't make. Well, it... I, I thought it'd be like, you know, I like things that have good story, good character building. You know, I'd like a nice romantic good dinner. story, but I also like want you know like like uh, Die Hard, Impossible. I like a good rom com. Me against the world. Action. Okay. We're gonna have to agree. It was still good. It was still good. It was a. It it went like it took the basic idea from the game, and that was pretty much it. Uh oh, little Jimmy's coming at me as a zombie. Oh, hey, Jim. Hello, Jim. Uh, he's running at me. Oh, God. He's on my car. <laughs> he's on your car? He's climbing up my car. Oh, dear. Well, you remember. No. Jim- no. no. Jimmy. Jim is a fae. He's one of the fae folk, right? Is that correct? He's trying to bust in my windshield. He Can- doesn't He doesn't like metals. Can non fae procreate fae? We discussed this a little bit last week. Um, oh, yeah. There might have been a, 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 a union between a mortal now and Now he's a... rubbing his butt on my windshield. <laughs> Does he have pants on? 
Yeah. Oh, good. At least he's wearing pantaloons. Get off before you hurt yourself. I hear all kinds of ruckus. I hear a ruckus. Tell yeah, he's get, Jim, get Jim in the car with you. We can have a four a, a four person episode. Wow, it's been a while since we had one of those. I think he's going to the store. What's up, little Jim? Is he right? <laughs> Wait, does he drive? Yeah, he's twenty five degrees out, and you don't even have a jacket on. You tell him. That sounded he's actually. A, he sounded mad. He doesn't ever wear a jacket. What the heck? I try to tell that to my daughter. All right. They don't listen. Let's get back on track. Sorry. He'll, ca- he'll catch his jacket. But yeah. He's a faith folk. He doesn't need that us. shit. Anyway, go ahead. So let's hear some cool, like a story of an account of someone who like encountered a, a fae person. Oh, we'll get there. I just gotta. We'll get there. We'll get there. Trust me. I just wanted to get into one couple more of these weird places. All right. So. Have you heard of the Bighorn Medicine Wheel? I have not. Laura, uh, Darcy has. You mean Little Bighorn? The Battle of Bighorn? Yeah. The I mean, Battle it, of Little so Bighorn. It would have been in the same area. Uh, the Bighorn Medicine Wheel. Is, so it's this giant stone s- circle. I think it's got like a circumference of like 80 feet or something like that. And it's made up of white, white limestone in the Bighorn National Forest. Ooh. That's a fairy uh, ring. Right. Yeah. Like it's a giant fairy ring. There's 28 spokes extending from a 12 foot carn in its center. Uh, and it's thought to be up to 7,000 years old. And the Crow Indian, the Native, the, the Native American tribe. So it's in their territory. Um, and they say the wheel was already there when they arrived and that they believe it was created by the ancient ancestors, whoever those they are. Would they be Vikings? No, I don't think it. They would have. I think they're too too early. Oh. Faye. We're talking like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It would have been the Faye. That's what, you know, it could have been. That makes a sense. Fae, a Faye folk like being. They would have been the ancestors of the Native Americans because they're highly like you know, and a lot of these connected a lot to of nature. these things were taught in school that they were most likely created by Native American. Um, and it gets into a tricky you get into a tricky situation when you start talking about this kind of stuff because um, you have the American Repatriation Act. I don't know if you ever heard of that. So pretty much if you are to excavate an area and you find some sort of artifact. Right. Um, if it's, you know, if it's deemed Native American and it most always is, it has to be handed back to that Native American tribe. Right. However, none of the tribes that are around today were around then. Oh. Um, so a lot of the tribes that are around today are only, you know, several hundred years old so no no tribe has claimed it as their own or is that what you're saying well i mean for the bighorn medicine wheel they yeah they say it's not theirs they didn't make it it was constructed by these ancient ancestors but who are these ancient ancestors are they ancestors of native americans or are they something else you know ancestors i'm gonna say like a whole another race of being 
How, how, that's the question. How big are these things? Like, how how big are we talking? Can he, humans well, this wheel, eighty feet? Oh, like how big are the people? These ancient ancestors? No, I'm sa- I'm asking if it's if it's doable for a human to to move these things and and place them where they are. Oh, well, this is like it's on the ground, so it's built on the ground. So if you're in an airplane looking down at it, mm. uh, it would be eighty two feet. Got a circumference of eighty-two feet. Well, yeah. Stonehenge, and like the pyramids. I don't like Stonehenge. Yeah. Same type of. They were probably same, hard to make too. Same type of structure, but this one's I flat. See. It doesn't stand. So it is possible for humans to create it. Then you're saying. Yeah, I mean, or it these been- ancestors were all over the world doing this. Doing these these stones and these drawings that could be seen from afar, from above in the sky. Very interesting. Um, so that's that. And I, I didn't. I'll just makes me think of this 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 guy. I think they call him the the Kennewick man. Um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but he he was found in the Kennewick River. Um fairly well preserved he was thousands and thousands of years old and i think when they tested him he he had like european dna European but because of the repatriation act they had to hand him over and they they weren't able to continue studying him but it from you know what it sounds like it was this was some sort of you know european descendant uh-huh. it was thousands of years old you know things like that. Like it's hard. I guess it's hard to investigate these super old types of beings. Right. They also, there's time also, travel. A lot of the Native American tribes have stories of these these red haired giants. Ooh. Um. And that sounds like me da, a red haired giant. Sounds like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still around? Get out of here. He's creepy. But uh. I mean, these giants. This is a this this is a topic, and it's uh, you know, all by itself. These giants, giants are constantly found in like the. So you got the Mississippi mound building culture. Could they be Bigfoots? No, they're not Bigfoots. Okay. They're like people. They're just giant people. Oh. Um, and so when they were excavating these these mound culture mounds, you know, in the 1800s. Inside the mounds, they'd find these giant skeletons, you know, of like nine feet, nine foot tall people. I thought inside mounds you found ground up coconut. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Everything I say is stupid. (laughs) You're just hungry. I'm hungry. And, and, you know, they talked about some of these giant people having antlers on, like horns on their heads. Oh. A lot of times they'd be found with like, uh, copper armor, you know, copper shields, mm-hmm. copper breastplates. Yeah. Um, a lot of times their skulls would be so big that you could fit the bottom of the jaw over like the person's, you know, a regular sized person's head. Oh. And that they had two rows of teeth. Ooh. Two rows of teeth? That's insane. Yeah. Why haven't I heard of this? I want to see that. Are there and other pictures? Pictures. I'm you can look online. There's tons and tons Wait, of pictures. What should I look up? Just look up American Giants or something. American Giants. Okay. 
I like bet these, the New York football giants will come up. These would have been in like newspaper. You'll see newspaper articles from the 1800s. Just like there's tons of them. People were finding these all over the place. Huh. Um, and they even found one in Bell's Falls. Bellows Falls, uh, BT. It was that. Okay, it was across the river in Walpole, where the train station is. Oh yeah. yeah. So they were blasting the rock there to build the train track and put in the station, and they found an Indian chief's burial site, and there was one of these giants was in there, and these two guys, the Vieira brothers, they tried to track uh, the giants' whereabouts. So they tracked it from Walpole to Bells Falls to Connecticut. Then they they lost it. And, you know, obviously none of these giant skeletons are left around anymore. Um, it was thought that the, the Smithsonian had gathered them all up, you know, and there's stories that they're either holding them in, you know, in the bowels of the Smithsonian, or there's also, I don't know where it came from, but there's stories about how they took all these giant bones and skeletons, they brought them out into the ocean, they just dumped them in the ocean. Why would they so, do that? They didn't want I don't know. Knowing. It's got something to do with, they don't, you know, like, uh, they don't want people to know about them, and blah, blah, blah. A tall tale that won't go away. A tall, I get yeah. it. So tall. there's really no evidence that this is real or not, but the Native Americans, they told you know, there's you, you find countless Native American stories talking about the red haired cannibalistic giants. Oh, um, and you know, that sounds like a fae folk to me, some sort of fae folk. Interesting, that's a nice stone wall right there. So, we're talking real fae folk that walked among us and possibly preyed on humans. Wait, what does it mean to be a fae folk anyway? A fairy folk, a, 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 fanta- a fantastic thing that is maybe it's metaphysical. Like- could it be yeah, like an umbrella like, of a lot of different kind yes, of creatures? Yes, it's an umbrella oh. term. We, we went over this last week. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I know you did listen to the episode. No, I was, but I was like, I went to the bathroom at one point. <laughs> so I, I missed that point. You should have paused it. Oops. I really had to All go. Right. So my next story. <laughs> it's really graphic. It interrupts you guys. Oh, we're having a little... talk. I know, we in were really potty, about to get... In your potty talk. We're about to get into it in explicit detail. Everybody loves next... potty talk. My next story here is called The Kingdom of Shina Av. So it's a... It's a... Say, okay, do that, but say... Shina Av! Shina Alright, so it's a Paiute Indian legend. Paiute. And it talks about a maze of underground tunnels leading to an underworld underworld utopia where the dead dance and sing for eternity. Ooh. And they call you know they call this place uh, God's land. Shina Av is um, I believe it's the name of the king that's oh. there. But they also know this as God's land or ghosts land. Nick, the Paiu or the guardians of the peyote plant. Of the awesome. what? I believe the Paiute are the guardians of the the teacher plant called peyote. Ooh. I believe that's the connection there, too. So that could have something there. Peyote. It could, because this story is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so the original story is it's told, it's told by a great Indian chief whose wife is 
is killed. She dies somehow. She's taken by death. Uh, so then he then traverses the un- these underground tunnels and finds the land of the dead where Shinaav's daughter shows him a place where the dead are happily dancing um, night and day, you know, not they don't know that they're dead. They're just kind of happily dancing. She then tells him to, you know, she brings him over to these people. She sits him down. She says, wait here until you see your wife. And when you see her, take her by the hand and run back home. Don't turn around. Don't look back. Just keep going. So the Indian chief, he sits there. He waits for like two or three days. He then sees his wife, grabs her by the hand, runs back. Um, and right before he leaves the kingdom, for some reason, he turns around. And then she's just gone. Persephone? Persephone. And yeah, so it's kind of, you know, kind of like that. Nice purse, um, Stephanie. Which also brings up... Jesus, God on a fuck. What are you doing, woman? <laughs> what was that? There's a video a video about the... Um, the giants. Sorry, I'm a little back. I'm still I'm still back in the giants. I, I'll, I'll catch up with you. Sorry. Um, Trying to run a respectable organization. So yeah, so this guy, he grabs his wife. This Indian chief grabs his wife looks back she's gone he kind of spends the rest of his life you know telling the story of of shina of shina <laughs> um and so then that brings us to the 1920s where two prospectors a man named mr white and a paiute indian named tom wilson uh, who tells the this, this story that his grandfather told him about these underground tunnels in this, you know, mysterious hidden city. Mm. Uh, Mr. White states that this happened somewhere around Wingate Pass. In the, so I guess it's in the southwest area of Death Valley. Um, so this, and I won't get too too far into the stories, but they include like fair-skinned people living underground, wearing leather clothing. You know, they stood eight feet tall. That's like a club I went to these, once. He talks about these tunnels being full of mummified giants. Also, like, like a club I went to once. Like dead dinosaurs yep. and saber-toothed tigers. Check. Um, and the then the, the city was illuminated by this eerie green light. Sick beats the hottest club in Jamaica town of what eh, nothing you're good go ahead we're just we're funning around over here it's it's fun alright we, so, we did a, we did a whole bit there it was like everything that you were saying was a, a club that we went to it was like <laughs> the pale white people underground dressed in black and leather and and the saber tooth tigers. We were like, yep, been I there. I can like barely, I can like barely hear you guys when you oh, whisper. Can you hear me? No, I can hear you when you like talk normal, I, but when you like are quiet, I can I, I can like I can't hear what you're saying. I, can I just need to hear. get on the mic more, but I don't want to be loud. We will we will make sure to be uh, uh, more um, 
clear. All right. Uh, Carry on. So, in the 1930s, a man named Dr. F. Bruce Russell, he's got a long-ass name, uh, also, all right. And so these those two people I was talking about earlier, the Mr. White, so he found this these tunnels by accidentally falling through a hole in the ground or something. Um, Mr. So White. Doc- yeah, Mr. yeah, Mr. White. So this Dr. Bruce dude, he also falls through a hole in the ground into this crazy tunnel system. Whoa. Yeah, so he's so he falls through a hole, and when the so he's drilling a hole looking for gold, then he falls through that hole into these tunnels. So he's drilling his own hole down into the ground. He's looking for gold, and the ground kind of gives way a little bit, and he falls into his own hole. Whoa, uh, Brucifer! So he's looking around. <laughs> yeah, I can picture Brucifer doing that. Yeah, he's just like digging a hole, and then suddenly, like, whoops, collapse, other hole. <laughs> so so yeah so he was looking around and he sees like some weird stuff uh he eventually leaves there he leaves the tunnel gets this partner this this archaeologist that he's worked with before named uh Bovee. um and so these two then go back down into the tunnel they estimate that there's 32 miles worth of tunnel that span an area of 180 square miles Oh, wow, it's a big tunnel. Right. But that's what she said. Oh, they take that stupid. they take that information to stupid. like uh some investors and they bring these investors back to the area, but when they come back, they can't find the hole because apparently it's been covered up by sand. Oh, really? Yeah, so they're never able to find the tunnels again. Ah. Come on, Bruce. Ooh. Big boy. Sorry, Dar- that- Darcy's stuck in, stuck in the wood stove. Um, but, okay. but, but do continue. Go ahead. I can wait a second. No, no, you're good. She's going to be she's going to be quiet as a mouse. OK. Um, so then in this book called uh, Death Valley Men by this dude named Burke Lee, which was published in 1931. There was a story about two other prospectors named Bill and Jack who fell into an entire underground cavern by accident. Yeah. And then they followed this tunnel deep into the the, the Panamint Mountains. Uh, they said they walked for about 20 miles before finding this huge cavernous room Sorry, that the, the, was illuminated by a natural gas-fed system. What mountains was that? The Panamint Mountains. Okay. I don't know. It's some. It's a mountain range um, within Death Valley. Like, on, you know, around Death Valley. Okay. So this all takes place in Death Valley. This is all, like, the same area. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. So they find this huge room and it's got, like, this gas-fed system of lights so there's like fires or something that are lit by this natural gas um they find seven perfectly preserved mummified humanoid people in the chamber humanoid yeah i don't i don't know if they're people or what they're just like you know they look like humans um 
they're you know they're tall, tall, eight foot tall, whatever. Yeah. And they're holding they're holding these golden spears. So each one is like you know picture like an Egyptian mummy laid back with his arms on its chest, and it's they have these golden spears tucked in there. Wow. Um, and a, they reported a giant stone door that they obviously couldn't open. There was these large, these huge stone wheelbarrows, apparently, and a perfectly polished round table in the center of the room with golden statues everywhere. Wow. Uh, and like gemstones and gold bars. It sounds straight out of Indiana Jones. Right. So they, they, they go back, they take a couple of the artifacts to a friend that they took out of the cave that the friend was supposed to show these archaeologists, but that friend steals their treasure. Um, and Jack and Bill, they were last seen preparing to climb the east side of, of the mountain, um, and they were never seen again. Wow. So that's pretty much just all I got for the, you know, the kingdom of, of Shinaos. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Shinaos. Okay, that's a great, great theme song. All right, so I got two more things before we can get into the missing people. Yeah, awesome. Let's do it, Maine. Maine, there I go again. This is the fucking thing that I do all of a sudden. All right. So the moon-eyed people of Georgia. Have you heard of these? I have not. All right. So the moon-eyed people, they're a race of men of some kind from Cherokee lore. So they were they were small in stature, you know, so they were shorter. Moon-eyed. Thinner. Yeah, moon-eyed, like moon, like the moon. Yeah, that's cool. So they called them the moon-eyed people because they couldn't see very well in the daytime, but they could see very well at night. Ooh. And they they apparently they also supposedly had beards, which was wasn't a Native American trait, you know. Ah. Not a lot of Native Americans out there with beards. Okay. Um, and that that these moon-eyed people, they were in South Georgia long before the Cherokee came. I see. Uh, and the moon-eyed people there supposedly had built all these ancient stone structures throughout the land, throughout Georgia. I think the most famous is this huge stone wall on top of this mountain called Fort Mountain. It's like 900 feet long. It's about two to three feet wide. Okay. I think it's kind of like the stone walls that we have around here, you know? Sure. But it's, it's, it's obviously a lot wider. And in some sections, it, the stones are stacked up to 12 feet tall. Cool. Right. And so, yeah. And so this is found at the top of a mountain. They call it Fort Mountain. Um, and there was supposedly a temple. Cherokee lore says there was a moon-eyed person temple up there. And within the temple, there was a stone snake that had rubies for eyes. Whoa, um, cool. 
<clears throat> the first recorded account of the Moon Eyed people came in 1797. And it was thought that the Moon Eyed people were descendants of Arenado de Soto. He was like a, a Spanish explorer, you know? Yep. But he was only known to be in the area for a very short period. I think I think the longest historians say he was there was probably like two weeks, maybe. I see. So, and, and they obviously don't... That's probably not enough time to build this giant stone fort. Right. Uh, there's also a theory that he... That these Moon-Eyed people were descendants of this guy named Prince Maddock. I don't know if we've talked about him or not. We might have talked about him when we talked about Vikings. Oh, um, no, I don't think so. He was a, supposedly a prince of Wales. Um, huh. And he, he supposedly left his homeland in like the 12th century, sailed across the ocean. He wanted to like, like him and his family. They were kind of, he had a bunch of brothers and they were all kind of like at war with each other their father's kingdom he was like screw this i'm out of here he took all his followers with him sailed across the ocean you know supposedly coming to america um but i think a lot of this is the first time i've ever heard of him being associated with these moon-eyed people you usually hear prince maddock being associated with the uh the mandan like a uh, indian tribe from the west Okay. Um, and it's it's also, I just want to mention this because we're talking about the Mandan. It's also believed that Meriwether Lewis was murdered. So Meriwether Lewis supposedly committed suicide. Yeah. Um, a, lo a lot of people actually think that he was actually murdered because he was on his way to, I think it was Thomas Jefferson was the president at the time. Uh, he was on his way to, talk to thomas jefferson about this um you know mandan connection with the welsh wasn't he part of the uh donner party or he was gonna be or something who lewis jefferson? uh meriwether lewis no meriwether lewis is from lewis and clark right but I wasn't one of those guys supposed to anyway sorry that's off topic keep no, going when we talked about that i was that was abraham lincoln that was Lincoln? Yeah, Lincoln was going to be part of the Donner Party because he was friends with... Um, God, I was so drunk back then. Anyway, <laughs> go, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Meriwether Lewis was part of Lewis and Clark. I forget what they called it. The, the Corps of Discovery or something like that. Okay. Doing some research. Um, well, then, that just brings, you know... And that brings me into like the since we're in Georgia, we can talk about the mound building, Mississippi mound building culture really quick. And so other than this, this giant stone wall in Georgia, Georgia is also kind of known for these two huge stone effigy mounds, um, which are the only effigy mounds found on, you know, this side of the Mississippi. And so one of them is a giant eagle. One's a giant hawk. And they're around 2,000 years old, or, or at least the original struck, you know. So there's like a giant mound in the middle, and then around that mound, 
they kind of piled these rocks together to kind of look like an eagle or birds. They look like giant birds. Um, and so the rock eagle, the mound in the middle stands about eight feet tall. It's 102 feet long with a wingspan of 120 feet, faces east towards the rising sun. And they believe it's some sort of burial mound of someone who's really like this person would have been real special for some reason because when they they excavated the mound they found uh the charred remains of an in- individual that had obviously been cremated um and so near near these effigy mounds there's a site known as um uh what's it called Etowa? I don't know. I don't know how to really pronounce it, but the Etowa Mound site. And so at the time of this Etowa Mound site, this place would have been the biggest Native American city, you know, in the area. And they seem to worship this this Birdman figure. Birdman Jr. in the house. No flamingos. I done did everything but trust these hoes. It's where Superman comes from, I think. And like the Birdman shows up in a lot of different cultures throughout the world. We're talking, uh, <laughs> we're talking like even cultures like Easter Island. They abandon. You know how they built all those giant stone faces. I know those faces. I know of such faces. I've got a necklace right. with one of those on you. Well, they, those faces were supposedly their ancestors, their ancestor gods. So they abandoned those gods and they started worshiping this Birdman figure. Um, so I just thought it was weird how you could like connect a Birdman from Georgia to Easter Island to like the Aztecs. Oh. You know. Who it's was a- this Birdman? Was it some sort of fae folk or what? Who was this Birdman? Birdman. Birdman. And then my last... I guess I have one other, but they kind of go together. So it's the the Wyoming small folk. Small folk? Yeah. That sounds promising. These two are like... Small folk, yeah. Are definite fey folk. Um, Noise. So many Native American tribes in the West... Like like the Sioux and the Shawnee and the Crow. Um, speak of a race of tiny people that live just, you know, just alongside of them, just like anyone else. Kind of, and the, so these people, they're, these small folk, they're kind of like Pukwudgie, but, but oh. instead of being from the east, they're from the west. Okay. Pukwudgie? What's that? Did they have the same uh, porcupine-like attributes that the Pukwudgie has? Sort of, yeah. I mean, pretty much. I missed that. Something about it. That's okay. The Pukwudgie is just like a it's like a little goblin figure from... Oh, yeah. From, like, around here. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, these small folk, they were known as as Nim-er-Igar. Nim-er-Igar, or something like that. I am like notoriously bad at pronouncing these names, but uh don't worry about it. Nobody knows this. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be getting phone calls and emails, but Oh yeah. Well at least you'll be getting um, feedback from your fans. Yeah, give us feedback, fans. Quote unquote. So these 
These Nimurigar, they're said to act and hunt just like the Pukwudgie did. So they have like tiny bow and arrows, and they use they use, they uh they poison their arrow tips in order to take down humans. Damn. Um. However, unlike the Pukwudgie, there's actual evidence of their existence. Oh really? What's the, what is this evidence? Or, you well, I guess there was actual evidence. I don't know if it's still. I think it's lost today. Ah, oh, crud. Of course it is. Right, but in 1932, crud. <laughs> again, two hey. prospectors. It's always prospectors who find this stuff. <laughs> oh, prospector! Uh, they were mining a vein of of gold in the Pedro Mountains of Wyoming. Hey, look at this mine of gold! I think I'm, I'm gonna mine it. When they found a 14-inch tall mummified creature. Oh, shit. Look at this 14-inch mummified creature. How's so mining? Tell Darcy to get on her computer and look up Pedro Mountain Mummy. I'm Darcy, you I'm heard the it. man. Get on your computer I'm and on it. look he, up. He already said. He already told me. Darcy. Who am I looking up? You listen to me now. <laughs> you listen Pedro to- Mountain Mummy. Don't listen to Nicholas. Pedro Mountain Mummy. Listen to Bank Robert. Bank Robert. Oh, I never introduced myself. I'm Bank Roberts. <laughs> What's up? Pedro Mountain Mummy. It's got a good ring to it, though. Pedro Mountain Mummy. The Pedro Mountain Mummy. You see it? I'm still typing. I'm slow. All right. So while you're looking it up, I'll tell a story. All right. Um, the Pedro Mountain Mummy. It was found by a prospector. So after using dynamite to blow away a large section of oh. this rock... That Sorry. they were mining. He's ugly. <laughs> oh, he's ugly as Sorry. fuck. <laughs> I just saw his picture. Look at that dude. He's like E.T.'s ugly cousin. He looks like E.T. <laughs> if he got hit by that ugly. So the, so the listeners, look at when you have a chance, oh. when you have a chance, you need to look this guy up. Oh, man. That looks like me oh. after... <laughs> what? Look, it looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you guys want to know what Bank Roberts looks like, <laughs> look at the Pedro Mountain Mummy. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm, sh- I just, sh- I'm, I'm shitting myself. <laughs> All right, hold I'm on, hold shit on. myself. I'm sending you a listen. picture. Listen, listen. listen. So, Pedro Mountain Mummy was walking on the plane. <laughs> hold on, let me tell the story of the Pedro Mountain Mummy. Oh, you shut your mouth. You We're doing some a song. Context here. Fine, go. You can get some context here. I'll do context if you do it. Oh, God, he right. sucks. So He's these like... two prospectors, they were mining gold. They had to blast away this section of rocks from the, the, the vein of gold they were mining. Um, so these two guys, Cecil Mann and Frank Carr, they opened up this sealed chamber. Uh, and after the dust settled, they were when they got inside, they found this little dude, this, the Pedro Mountain Mummy, you know, he was sitting in the, the middle of the hey, Pedro. And so for those who are listening and aren't can't see a picture of him, so it's this Trust little us. humanoid creature. He's about as ugly as Yoda, in- twice as <laughs> Hold on, let me explain what he looks like. He's Yoda's sitting cross legged within sorry. this chamber. Uh, the top of the creature's head was flat. It's, it has a wide mouth. His eyes are kind of crusted over and like halfway open. It's got really heavy lids. Uh, it's, it's got brown leathery skin and, and looks like an old man. Yeah, so, it's what I look like before my morning coffee. There's no question. When, <laughs> you see me at work. They, 
Look at my mouth. They, uh... That's me. Look at the bod on him, though. Those little narrow shoulders. <laughs> He's got pecs. He's got pecs, but narrow shoulders. He did not. He skipped shoulder day. So when they they opened the, you know, when they saw it, they noticed at the top of its head there was something. There was some sort of substance up there that was still soft. Ew. Yeah. And so they took it oh, to Casper, it? Wyoming. It's like the closest city. Um, and then scientists from all over the nation analyzed it. And, and they initially thought it was a hoax, like, you know, like the Fiji mermaid or like a jackalope. They thought it was like pieced together, you know, from Ooh. different things. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a freak show. Yeah. Some sort of freak but, show. But uh, when they sent it through an x-ray, they took an x-ray of it. And it had a full skeleton. So, like, it's got a full skeleton. And they have pictures of that, too. So this is definitely a fey folk. I mean, it looks like it, doesn't it? When I look at that picture, which I'm doing now, or which I was, uh, that's almost exactly what comes to mind. If you picture that thing alive and animated with, like, actual flesh on its skin and just the impish big thin lips and a gigantic eyeballs and kind of a mean look to him that right. is a, that's a perfect example of what I would think of a fae folk I think a fae folk is right. like 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 have wings and they have long flowing hair and like sparkly eyes well we went over that that's a more disnified version of it oh. but it's also kind of a fairy you know it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of thing they could be these puckish little gnome creatures and that's what I see there that's, that's kind of what I see there. And this evidence, hard evidence right here. Literally hard. Well, that's so they were looking at the skeleton of the thing, of the Pedro Mountain Mummy, and they, they found out... Pedro Mountain oh, Mummy! <laughs> they found out that it had been killed violently, so it was struck on the top of the head. Oh, uh, hence, it's, the, hence the flatness of it. Right, so its spine was crushed, its collarbone was broken. Oh, that explains it. Like, the fluid on the top of its head was crushed bone and and brain matter. Oh, Is it foamy? Brain matter. uh, And apparently it was was analyzed by the American Museum of Natural History and Harvard University. Scrum nom nom. Well, it's got to be real, man. Harvard said so. And there are stories of... uh, burial mounds in Ohio and Tennessee that have had, you know, and they found dozens of these little people inside of them. Gotta get right. down to it. Here's my last my last oh, my Native American no, no. faith folk being. Should have been dead long ago. I'm, Are you ready? I'm getting the Velociraptor Claw ready in case this is bad. The Velo Claw has been withdrawn from its new holster. From its holster, it is ready to be used. We fashioned a holster for it. There's a holster been fashioned to keep it. Right, safe. You guys, tell me when you're ready. Keep it secret. I think we're ready now because we have the Raptor Claw. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. This is the last one I got, and then we can get into the missing people. Yay! Um. All right, so these are called the Dwarves of the Plains. Ooh, let me come up with a new theme song. All right, so the Arapaho... Oh, hold on. 
The dwarves of the plains came. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Start over. Start over. <laughs> May the dwarves of the plain keep a coming. On the plains of the mountains, there were once the dwarves of the plains. Dwarves of the plains. Dwarves of the plains. Dwarves of the plains. Of the plains. And scene. All right, the dwarves of the plains. So. The Arapaho, which is a group of Native Americans living in the... Go ahead, I'm just doing a background. Really distracting. Uh, Fine, you joy it's really kill. Loud. It's just really loud. You buzz kill. <laughs> Sorry. You ruined my it's night. It's just loud. Play it a little quieter. Yeah, there you go. The Arapaho, a group of Native Americans. <laughs> try to sing it. Just... Yes, yeah, sing your text. No, okay, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to You should play. rap it. Because it's the Arapaho. Get it? Yo, what's right, up? Yeah. It's the Arapaho. <laughs> I'm about to rap a hoe. Here we go. <laughs> hey. No, that's bad. That's yeah, racist that's on like funny. three different levels. I always liked the Arapaho because there was this movie I liked when I was a kid called Wild America. I love that movie. Oh my god! Wait, Nick. You know, you know that movie? I've heard of it. Nick, you didn't really? do your, you didn't do your thing where you try to like convince us that there's a like a, a realistic scenario that ends up being a movie. <laughs> Remember? I didn't have one. Well, last week you did Journey to the Center of the Earth. I know. And I then know. there was before that you did um what was it Breakfast Club? I don't remember. That was real. Breakfast at Tiffany? Something I don't know. Had breakfast in it. But, uh, all right. No, in this movie, Wild America, they're like, so it's based on that TV show, Wild America, obviously. And it's about these three brothers, and they go and they find this cave of like a thousand sleeping bears. Hmm. Um, and they have to draw this map on, I think it's got Jonathan Taylor Thomas in it. And they draw JTT. a map on his, yeah, they draw a map on his stomach, and this old lady's like, Above the peak of a rabbit. I don't know. That was good. I like that. That was a good voice you just did. That was a great old lady voice. <laughs> it was very convincing. Nick, you might have a career in um, voiceover work. Where the winter comes early. <laughs> That's what she says. Ooh. On the peak of... What was it? Say it again, please. Uh, Above the, win- the peak of a rabbit. Where the winter, winter comes, comes early. early. Ooh, that's being the song. How about Engineer Steve? How does Engineer Steve say it? Wait. Is he there? Is he there? Because we haven't seen him actually here again. He seems to be... He is absent. He came in one day. He was looking bedraggled. He was all like, you know, he's, he's basically cold and wearing rags and shivering. And He lives in the oh, car Steve? now? Steve, yeah. He was, looking, he was looking in my door, like looking at the studio kind of kind of wistfully. And then, and then he walked away. <laughs> and I didn't invite him inside. He... <laughs> he made eye contact with me, but he, he knows. <laughs> like looking at you, he's like, I'm so cold. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. I mean, he knows the deal. It's, he's. I felt a little bad, but not really. Oh, man, dude. You guys got to watch that movie, Wild America. I'm telling you right now. I have never seen it, but Darcy says that she has. It's so good. Okay. 
Okay. So yeah, the Arapaho, they're a group of Native Americans. Wait, sorry, that's not the dwarves of the plane anymore. Hold on a sec. The dwarves of the plane came a call in. What? Me or, or are you talking to somebody else? I'm doing my podcast. He's talking to his wife, I think. Oh. Hey, you know, I like a Lucy Goosey episode. Everybody likes a Lucy Goose. I'm not going to edit so, this uh, bad boy. No, you need to edit it. We can't have another. No, people it's don't fine. Listen. People don't want to listen when it's hard to listen to. Well, to, they will trying listen. Trying to make some money on this, you know? We had this discussion last time. You're the one getting interrupted. About, not me. It's We're not over here. It's not about the fun. It's about the money. You the fucker. money. The money will come. We got to do it. We got to do what we love, man. The money. the money will come. The money. All right, fine. The money. Fine, fine. Listen. The money. You just read your fucking thing and we'll shut up and that'll be it. The money. Read it. Do your Donald Trump impression with the money. Say the money like Donald Trump. It's fantastic. I can't do a Donald Trump. I don't know how to. Like, the money. Tremendous. You're fired. Uh, <laughs> fantastic people working on it all the time. I feel like he's too, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't do it. He's I can't like do Trump. After a couple of bourbons <laughs> cigars. Yeah, see, you need to edit all this out. But, uh. No! Okay. The Arapaho. I'm not editing any of that shit. You don't edit this out. I'm going to Arapaho, all right? <laughs> hey, that sounds like co- coercion. <laughs> all right, so they're a group of Native Americans, you know, and they live in the plains of Colorado and Wyoming. Uh, and they told tales of these little people they called Heck. Oh, here's another one. Okay, Go let me, hold on. <clears throat> Do it. <clears throat> Take a deep breath. Hekesitihe. <sighs> Hey, you nailed that. You knocked it out of the park, dude. <laughs> uh, and and uh, and so these these little beings, these little monsters, they're found from really the banks of the the western banks of the Mississippi, straight on through. So these are like they're they're crazy little creatures that are like just in the west. Um, what are they? And like? they're known as the the Gadaze. They're known as the Gadaze for more eastern tribes. And so these creatures, they um, they're they're vicious. They're so vicious. They attract. They attack in packs. They're like travel and roaming bands. Damn. They eat people. Like they're known to eat people, and then they're known to to kill more people than they can eat. Um. And they're tiny. They're, they're little things, like dwarves. Oh my god! You know. And some tribes, some tribes say they have wings. Some tribes say they have one eye. Um, Holy shit! But in you know, in, in essence, it's all this. They're all the same creature, and they're known to be able to to turn invisible, and they like to kidnap human children. That's awful. Oh my god. So yeah. They sound like gremlins times those, one million. Those are the dwarves of the plains. The dwarves of the plains. I forgot the song. Hold on. Do you want to hear the song again? Nick? 
Do you want All to right. sing the song of the Dwarves of the Plains? No. No, we're not <laughs> doing the Dwarves of the Plains. The Dwarves of the Plains are a The Dwarves of the Plains came a calling. Okay. That was pretty serious. That was way. That sounded really serious. If a bunch of those characters came across the plains with their big teeth-filled mouths devouring people more than they could eat, well, that is no joke. We're gonna get into some real people who went missing and were never seen again. Ooh, okay. All right. So there's this book series by this man named David Polites. Um, he's a retired, uh, I believe he's a retired detective and he created this book series called Missing 411. And so it all started when these two park rangers approached David one evening, uh, with some pretty serious concerns. So they, they told David that, that, and this was in, I believe it was in Yosemite. They told him that people go missing in Yosemite and while there's an initial search period that lasts for about a week after that they just you know the park system just kind of forgets about these missing people after a week yeah so they search for them for like you know seven days that's and then cold yeah so that's kind of what these park rangers were saying you know they kind of forget about them and that you know they found these cases to be weird you know, their people were going missing, but they were—they weren't just going missing. Something was happening to them. You Seems know, like a bunch of lazy park rangers. Sorry, <laughs> that could be it too. Um, um, well, Fred, weeks up. Looks like we're going to call off the case. Just too weird so, for us. So they knew who David was from from other things that he had been involved in. Uh, so they asked them to like kind of investigate this. Uh, and so over time, David and his team, they created this project called the Can-Am Missing Project. So it's like Canada, America, Missing Ooh. Project. International. Yeah. <clears throat> and so they have a, a, identified up to 55 clusters across Canada and America, um, mainly in national parks and national forests. Oh, yeah. Where people go missing. These are my girls were talking about this. They're nervous about it. Yeah. They're so, afraid to uh, go hiking. I think most of it, his work is in America. Um, <laughs> so through investigating hundreds of these cases, they also identified certain types of environment that seemed to ha play some sort of, of role in like higher rates of disappearances. And they kind of developed like uh, these profile, he calls them profile points. Um, and so to be kind of like included in the, the Can-Am project, the missing an individual, um, they can't have like a prior, you know, mental illness or like be suicidal. 
So if they want to rule out like that makes sense. This this was kind of like not I don't want to say voluntary, but you know, kind of like they had some sort of mental breakdown and like went off crazy, sort of. You know, um, I get that. There must be no sign of like animal attack or criminal activity has to be ruled out. I see. Um, so he also notes that many times authorities rule out kidnapping, but the families that are involved, they almost always believe that their loved one has been kidnapped. Like it's the only, the only thing that could have happened to him. Right. I understand that for sure. And so Yosemite has the largest amount of missing persons. Crater Lake is next. You know, it's not too far behind. Okay. Um, and there seems to be environmental factors that play a huge role in these disappearances. And those seem to be boulder fields for some reason. A lot of people either go missing near these huge boulder fields oh. or they're found near these huge boulder fields. Well, that would kind of make sense, though. You know, like really? sinkholes and stuff. Boulders. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess so. Uh, berry patches. Berry. Oh, that's interesting. And specifically, huckleberry patches. Huckleberry. Huckleberry. Yeah. All right. Oh my god, I want to go, but I'm so afraid after reading this to bring my fucking kids there. To White Rocks. Yeah. In Vermont. Yeah. White Rocks in Vermont. I I have been there. Yes. Yes, it's in Wallingford. I once did a survey there. You know that there's supposedly buried treasure up there? Spanish treasure. I'll tell you what there's not, and this is true. Ticks. We did a survey for ticks, and there was a very, very low population of ticks all in that area. (laughs) So that's a happy ending to that little tidbit. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. We made it about halfway up the trail, and then it started thundering, so we left, but... I'm really, I'm really scared to bring my family there because I don't want my kids to go missing. Oh yeah, I, I, I went all the way up. Laura, I mean Darcy. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. Stop not talking on the mic. Okay, she's saying we should do an almost cannon field trip. It would be cool. Um, all right. So this David has this to say about huckleberry patches. Uh, the fact that berries and buried bushes play a continuous role in many disappearances is overwhelming. People disappear and are found in the middle of berry bushes. They go missing while they are picking berries, and some are found eating berries. The association between uh, some missing people and the berries cannot be denied. Wow. Uh, now that's really compelling. Um, and then briars and thorn bushes play a huge role in missing people. Also Areas compelling. full of exposed granite seems to play a big role. Okay. And then after a person has gone missing and the search begins, there's usually some sort of freak storm rolls in all of a sudden, as well as uh, tracking dogs that either don't pick up any sort of scent won't pick up a scent or if they do pick up a scent and they follow it they usually almost always will follow it to the base of a rock face wow 
So that's that. That's definitely some kind of portal. Um, and then they, for some reason, they, for some reason, most people who go missing, they're either on the autism spectrum in some way, or they have some other type of, you know, disability. Uh, weird. Or if it's not someone with autism or a disability, it's someone who is incredibly successful in in a career in science or medicine. Whoa, that is way too specific to be coincidental. And that and this is this one's even weirder. I don't I don't understand how this like I don't understand what's going on here, but it seems like those who have German ancestry go missing way more than anybody else. Really? Um, and then so David Polites he asked the park system for a you know he asked them for a list of these missing people throughout the parks and they said we don't have a list like there's no list we can give you um, and he, he thought that was weird obviously which it is weird how come why don't they keep a list of missing people? Right? You'd you know, think there would be a, a, a list that they kept. You'd think right. that. Why the hell wouldn't they? Of all like things. They keep a list of how many movies are filmed within national parks. Right? They probably they keep a list, a list of like how many uh, uh, visitors have used the restroom that day. <laughs> Sorry. I always go back to the bathroom humor. It's just. Well, I'm sure they do. But uh, so he asked them how much it would cost for a list of missing people in Yosemite and they told him it would cost $34,000. And then he asked for a list of missing people in all the parks and they told him it would cost him $1.4 million. What? Yeah. That is wild. So apparently they would have to get somebody to do all this work and blah, blah, blah. So... And uh, one other weird thing that he discovered was when children go missing, and it's usually children who are under five years old. They're usually, if they're found, uh, they're usually found, uh, you know, up to 12 miles over mountain ranges from where they originated mm. in just a matter of hours. You know, like when they're found alive, it's, they're found just like miles and miles away. Like there's no possible way that a two-year-old, like if my two-year-old was lost in the woods, there's no way he's climbing over a mountain for 12 miles. I don't, he would, my kid would just sit on the ground and cry. Like my two-year-old, my little Jimmy, there's no, he's nine and there's no way he's doing that. Like, uh, yeah, I don't think any two-year-old or nine-year-olds are going to be covering that much ground. So that's yeah, that's obviously weird too. Darcy, shush! You're not there's on the microphone. Like something's in, involved. Like there's something involved, and I can't help but think it's the Faye. That's got to be Faye. Wait, if you're gonna talk, get over here. Darcy, she she wants to contribute, but she's just. She's just treating this place like a, I don't know, some kind of fun the house. The kitchen and the studio 
in two different places. That's what I'm trying to say over here. But she, will she listen? No. <laughs> she just makes All right, her own. So let's get into let's get into some cases of some people who literally vanished from the face of the earth. Okay. And the first one I got is a young girl named Stacy Arras. Yep. Stace. So she went missing in Yosemite National Park. Uh, Stacy Ann Arras was on a week-long backcountry camping trip with her father and six others in Yosemite in, like, the backcountry. Uh, they had arrived at the last camp of their of their trip on Friday, July 17th, 1981. Okay. Um, the site was known as Sunrise High Sierra Camp, and it was made of nine cabins, that, and they were uh, 9,400 feet above sea level in, in elevation. And so they were kind of like at this beautiful Alp meadow called, it's going to do it to me again, uh, Tulum Meadows, I guess. Uh, sounds good to me. And so there was also a lake nearby. Um, so after settling in, Stacy, she wanted to go photograph the lake. She had asked her father if he wanted to go with her. I think her grandfather might have been with her. And they said, no, we're going to stay at camp. She was like, okay. Uh, so she was last seen walking down a nearby trail towards the lake. And this this older guy who was with them who was with this backpacking crew. I think they were on horseback, but uh, this older guy named Gerald Stewart, he was seven, He was 77 years old. He was a member of the group, and he was the last one to speak with Stacy. Um, Dar- Darce, would you take a picture of me? I feel like I look pretty cool right now. No, take a video. Mm, I don't know about the video. I look better in photographs than I do on the video. <laughs> Oh, come on, we need a video for TikTok. Nice. So yeah, so Stacy, she was talking to to Gerald. Um, he was sitting on this this boulder. He talked to her. She talked to him for a few minutes, and then she continued down the trail. It was reported that, and then she just kind of vanished. Like she went towards the. She was heading towards the lake, and then she was gone. Um, the group back at camp, they could see her talking to Gerald and they watched her walk off down the trail. Well, once she left their site, she was never seen again. Whoa. And so there were, uh, there were like a hundred people were looking for her. There were three aircraft and two teams of tracking dogs. But they never found anything. Not a trail. Uh, the only thing they found was her lens cap. And that was it. There was no other evidence that she was ever there to begin with. Well, let me read a poem that has something to do with this that Darcy has procured. And she would like to read it, but she's currently busy. It's called The Stolen Child. Where dips the rocky highland of sleuth wood in the lake, there lies a leafy island where flapping herons wake, the drowsy water rats, there we've hid our fairy vats, full of berries, 
and red as stolen cherries. Come away, O human child, to the waters in the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Where the wave of moonlight glosses the dim grey sands with light, far off by furthest rosses we footed all the night, weaving golden dances, mingling hands and mingling glances, till the moon is taken flight. To and fro we leap and chase the frothy bubbles, while the world is full of troubles and anxious in its sleep. Come away, O human child, to the waters in the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Nice. I turned off your mic. It's wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry. Go on. I, I wanted to say, uh, what you're saying reminds me of uh, he, this poem by Yeats. He's an Irish poet. And William Butler. W.B. And what he says, like, yeah, I, feel, I feel like from his perspective, the fairies are actually trying to save the children from the human world because the human world oh. is kind of awful. And so they're, like, taking them away. But just thought I'd throw that in there because it, yeah, you know, I think I think I read about that last week um, that they're trying to save the children, but by doing that, but the uh, kids are kind of like, eh, I miss my mom. They're not, you know, they're taking them away from from the Earth realm, and they're never seen again. So technically, they're not saving them. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I just had to contribute that because have you heard of the Water Boys? The what? The Water Boys. Water Bros. No. They're uh, they were banned from Ireland, oh. and they and they say no, 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 I... um. They did a version of the stolen child. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Cut it. <laughs> God damn! I can't let you come in here anymore. I'm all turning right. off your mic again. Right. So, so uh, what is happening? So David, David applied for a, a FOIA report on Stacy's case, which is a Freedom of Information Act report. Okay. On on Stacy's case. Yeah. I know you're trying to set me up to do something with Stacy's case, and I'm not gonna. No, I'm I'm saying he he files for a report for Stacy's case. Um, Stop saying Stacy's case. And he he says that that a, a Yosemite Park Ranger told him that he'll never see it, just flat out, like you'll never see that case. Wow, that's so weird. So something obviously happened that they don't want anyone to know about, and I just can't help but think that it's something Faye related, you know. I don't see why not. It just seems like she stepped through a fae portal into the fae realm and was never seen again. That's that's what I get from this. Yeah. I mean, why 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 did the rangers why did the rangers try to cover it up so much? That makes me think that it's not having to do with fae because there's something even more sinister and mundane to do with it. But but I want to believe that the fae are involved. No, I quite I just like my off the wall last week. I really think um, that the government is some reason they're involved uh, with these fake. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't suppre- know. suppressing the existence of them to the general public. 
So I didn't I didn't say this, but when we were talking about Death Valley and the underground city there with all those tunnels that everyone was finding, um, I didn't I didn't mention this, but eventually that area where the tunnels were thought to to originate from was eventually incorporated into a military like proving ground. So like a, mi a military training ground. So they kind of took over that whole area. Oh, weird. So. You know, it's uh, just like the government to militarize fey folk. <laughs> and uh, so the skeletal remains of a still identified man was found a year or two after Stacy's disappearance not far from the Sunrise Camp. And uh, Yosemite National Park is the... The most people go missing in Yosemite, mysteriously. Yeah, wow, okay, yep. So the next one that I got here is a guy named Maurice Demats. And he went missing in Pike National Forest in Colorado. All right, <laughs> okay, how many more of these we got, Nico? Couple. All right. Why? You don't like them? No, I love them, but Darcy's cooking some food and I'm starting to get hungry. Well, then, then sit back, eat your food, and listen to these creepy stories. All right, lay it on me, dude. Um, he's getting hung. He's getting hangry. Shush! Shush! Go for it. All right, so Maurice, he was an 84-year-old male was rock hunting with a friend in a location called Topaz Point. This this location was known by uh, by local tribes as being haunted, and it was even dubbed the Devil's Head by early settlers of the area. Uh, Maurice's friend, he had come over to tell Maurice that it was time to go, and then his friend went back to pick up his stuff, and when his friend came back to pick up Maurice... He was just gone. Okay. Yeah. And so, and this guy was old. He could barely walk. He was gone. They never found a trace of him. They searched for five days and found nothing. Uh-huh. So this next case I got is Dennis Martin of the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And this case is covered constantly online on podcasts so not gonna get into the full thing of it but uh so dennis he was six years old he was on a, an annual father's day weekend hike with his father his older brother and his grandfather uh they were playing hide and go seek with he was playing hide and go seek with his brother at this location called spence field and they got this bright idea to hide on their on their father and jump out and scare him um, okay. So his brother and these two other children that they had met at Spencefield, who were whose uh, whose their last names were also Martin, they all hid. And when the brother and the two friends jumped out, uh, Dennis never he you know he didn't jump out. He was he was still hiding apparently. So they and this happened. This took place within less than five minutes. Uh, so Dennis's dad took notice of this 
and they had obviously saw Dennis and where where Dennis went. He was keeping an eye on him. He knew he was hiding behind this bush. His dad got up, went over to this bush, and Dennis wasn't there. He was just gone. Um, so Dennis's dad instantly knew something was wrong. He ran down the nearest trail for miles. He just went looking for Dennis, yelling into the woods, calling out for him. And he was never found. That night, three inches of rain fell. Um, and so that's that case. They never found him at all. Nothing has ever been found of Dennis Martin. Okay. Uh, I just want to get into the park really quick because it's got some interesting facts. Yeah. That could be Faye related. So the, the mountains found in this park are some of the oldest mountains in the world. They're, you know, 200 to 300 million years old. Um, mm -hmm. It's the home of the Cherokee. And there's there's been rumors of feral people living in the deep woods that persist to this day. So who are these feral people? Are they Faye folk or Feral, are they really feral people? What's going on here? Uh, Dennis, he was wearing a red shirt. We'll find that in a lot of these cases of like these weird magical forests around around the world, especially in Asia, uh, the color red seems to set off these magical creatures. Um, they don't uh -huh. like it. They're drawn to it for some reason. Uh -huh. uh, and so the largest search in history in like national park history took place for Dennis. And it also included 60 green barrettes who joined the search. Um, but they kept to themselves, the they kept to themselves the whole time. Uh, and there are some reports that another 22 of them joined the search several days later. Mm -hmm. And then several days after Dennis went missing, I guess this happened on the same day. Um, but it was reported several days later. So on that same day, 15 miles away, the Keys family, they were in the park and they were looking for bears. They wanted to see bears. Uh, so a park ranger told them where to go, where they would most likely see a bear. So they went there and they got out of the car and they were kind of, you know, meandering through the woods. And they hear this scream, like this scream of agony. And they're like, oh, my God, what was that? And they look up. And they see this rugged looking man. It looked like a man running through the woods with like this huge sack on its back. And he was just booking it through the woods. They didn't stop. They just kept going. Like Mr. Keys thought it was some sort of like moonshiner at the time. Uh, didn't think anything of it. They went home. A couple of days later, they saw the news report of Dennis. And that's when they reported it to, you know, the authorities. The authorities said... Uh, there's no way that was Dennis. There's no way he could have made it 15 miles. Um, we all know that David uh, Polites, he's found that these kids are miles away from where they went missing. Um, and the heads, a couple of the head searchers, they said that Dennis could have easily made the trip through this area where the Keys family was um, within the time frame that that they were given. So who knows? And apparently the FBI agent who was working on this case committed suicide several years, you know, many years after, I get, you know, like a couple, a decade or two after this case. But uh -huh. 
I just thought, I always thought that was that was strange. Like, why would this guy commit suicide? Well, that especially could be for a whole, whole on, host of reasons, I would guess. I know, I know, I know, I know. But especially since he worked on the Dennis Martin case. I know, I true. thought that was weird. It is kind of weird how suddenly somebody suicides themselves when they're involved in something that might be wanted to be covered up. All right. Um, so I got two more. Uh, the Carl Landers. He disappeared from uh, Shasta Trinity National Park. Um, or a national forest. On May 25th, 1999, Carl, he was 69 years old. He was in good shape. Um, and he had summited 14 other... Carl! 14 footers. Or, I guess I guess I wrote he had summited other 14 footers. I didn't get a count on, on how many. So a 14 footer is a mountain above 14,000 feet. What? They call him 14 footers? That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so he was an engineer. I, could, I didn't see what he was an engineer of. Um, so him and three of his friends, they were attempting to summit Mount Engineer, reach up and pull the whistle. They were attempting to summit Mount Shasta. Uh, it's a very difficult mountain to climb. Lots of ice, snow up to 100 miles an hour winds, and it involves a lot of technical climbing. Carl, he had been sick for about a day or two. Carl! Missing. So he had taken altitude. So you can get altitude sickness when you're at, you know, high altitudes like this. He, I forget the name of the medicine, but he had taken too much of it, and he was having diarrhea. Um, yeah. Been not there. a very good Oh, not a very good place. just today! <laughs> But, uh, so he was sick. He was sick all that night. Oh, God. Uh, the next morning he had gotten up. Darcy. And his buddies. The next morning he had gotten up and his buddies were like, you get a head start. We'll meet you at, at this certain point. Cause at this point they had to climb, uh, up to the next point. It was like 600 feet away. They're like, you meet us there. We'll be there soon. Uh, and Carl was out of sight for no more than 30 minutes, and he had just vanished. You know, no one ever saw him again. Yeah. And so there was there was no trees where they were. It was above the tree line. It was completely flat area. No hidden crevices or, like, you know, where have ever been reported in this area. He was just gone. Searchers even summited the mountain and came down all the different kinds of trails that that you could uh use to summit the mountain they they went down never saw him never saw any trace of him and he was also wearing bright colors uh and there's a weird thing about mount shasta so it's supposedly home to the last remaining lemurians you ever heard of them i no i have not so they're an ancient people kind of like uh, the Atlanteans. Okay. So they, they even supposedly did. They were they were even supposedly at war with the Atlanteans. Uh, they supposedly come from this land that would have occupied the area between India and Madagascar. Gotcha. They call them the Lemurians because there's lemurs in in uh, India as well as Madagascar. So you know. 
there's obviously some sort of land bridge in between the two. As of now, it's just, you know, ocean. Ah, I see. So at one point, there was land there, and these Lemurians are supposedly the inhabitants of that land. And somehow they settled in California. Um. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, who knows? Maybe they're fae folk. Uh, this last one I got here, his name is Tom Messick, and he vanished from Lake George Wild Forest. Uh, he disappeared on November 15th, 2015, while hunt deer hunting with six others. So Tom and three other members of his hunting party, they were older, so they took up sitting position. While the younger, there was a couple other younger members, they, they pushed the deer towards these older, these older guys. Um, the last time Tom was ever seen was when his hunting buddies left him at, you know, his hunting spot. Uh, oh, yes. Tom was missing an eye due to an accidental explosion and that explosion also left him hard of hearing so SARS team the search and rescue teams they noted that the wildlife in the area was dead quiet so they didn't hear anything when they were searching for him wow. which, yeah, which was weird the FBI became involved which is also weird because Usually the FBI will only come involved in a missing person's case if it's a child. Um, uh -huh. Tom's wife said, the FBI told me something isn't right with, this, with his case, but they don't know what, um, which is also weird. And then a hunter, years later, a hunter that was in Tom's group who was located who was like near where Tom sat, told David that he heard a strange sound come from the hillside where Tom was, something that he had never heard before, something that he couldn't explain. The only detail David could get out of the hunter was that it sounded metallic. Okay. So that makes me think it's got something to do with Faye. Maybe like this metallic sound is, is like the opening of a portal. I don't know. Ah, yes. Is there any consensus on what the opening of a portal sounds like? I am not sure. <laughs> I doubt it. We, should, we could probably ask CERN. They might know. Hey, CERN! We're wondering. What's a portal sound like when you open it? You know, I think we were talking about them the other Crazy. week. Last week or the week before. And I'm pretty sure that they're probably trying to open some fucking fairy portals. What oh. else would they be doing, you know? Right? That sounds like a good, a worthwhile pursuit. Actually, I do have one more here. Uh, his name's his name's Sammy Bohickle. Bohickle, and he was he disappeared from Crater Lake National Park on October 14, two thousand six. Hey, uh, ask me to make up a name. Make up a name. Uh, uh Sammy uh, Bohickle. No, this is a real kid. I know, but it's just like one of those names. You're like, uh, 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 uh Bohickle. Bohickle. Sorry. This is a real kid who went missing that's never been found again. Oops. I know, but it's just a funny name. It's a funny name. All right. So Crater Lake, it's the deepest lake in America. It's 19,000 or uh, 1,949 feet deep. Uh... 
and it's located inside of the caldera of a collapsed volcano. Okay. There are, it's actually a really cool place if you look up pictures of it. So it's literally picture the top of a, of a volcano full of water. Like Wow. So there's two is and this is just some some cool little facts. There's two islands. One's called Wizard Island. It's 316 acres. It's kind of like a mini mountain on the western side of the lake. And then there's one called the Phantom Ship, which is just the top of a stone pillar. And there's a tree that has been continuously bobbing in like a vertical position for a hundred years or more. And it's known as the old man of the lake. That's right, Bobby. Cool. Okay. Wow. That's that's wild. Uh, the Klamath people, which is the Indian tribe in the area, they believe that a great battle between the spirit of uh, air, who's, who they call Skell, and the spirit of the earth, who they call uh, Leo, fought a battle, you know, a great battle where both of them were killed. However, Leo's spirit is still said to inhabit the lake, and it, like, snatches people when it feels like it. So, Sammy, he had autism. He had been playing with his father at this pull-off. So they're off the side of the road. He was playing with his dad, and he ran up this, like, this little slope, and he refused to come back down. So his dad went up after him, to, you know, to take him back to the cabin. And when his father went up after him, Sammy thought he must have been playing. So Sammy ran off again, and he continued going up the slope and when he got to the top of the slope and out of his dad's sight he was never seen again oh. so his dad was only he says he was no more than 50 feet behind him the whole time uh, when he got to the top his dad's name was Ken when he got to the top his son was just gone uh, 200 people searched 6 miles worth of forest for a week, but nothing was ever found. What the heck? Every snowfall soon covered the area, and they couldn't search anymore. Maybe he's with us still today. Just on a different plane. You know? Maybe. I got, um, I got here uh, some kids who went missing that were found, which are kind of weird. One talks about a wolfman that ate her hat and her glove. Wolfman? Her, a wolfman, Mr. Wolf. She called him Mr. Wolf. He ate the hat off the top of her head. He ate her gloves uh, and fed her berries. Uh, he upset her berries. No. The wolf man fed her berries. Oh, fed her berries. And yeah, he upset her berries. Yes, she says. Uh, <laughs> so this, this is just a quick quote. Uh, Darcy, but, you will shush now. <laughs> Get back to the so kitchen. So David says. <laughs> David says. So there was this uh, girl. Her name was Casey Hathaway. She went missing for 56 hours. Um, like this horrible storm rolled in. They had to pull all the searchers. But Casey was found, you know, 56 hours later in a location that had been searched many times. 
just a quarter mile from her home. Huh. Casey said a boar, a bear kept him warm. Uh, and then David says there's a, uh, they were talking about him and this guy named George Knapp from, uh, I forget the name of it. He's got a radio show. We were talking about it with the time traveler guy. I forget, I forget what their show's called now. But uh, he was talking to George Knapp about this case. And then David says uh, there's a very similar one. Uh, one time there was a story of a small girl disappeared from a rural location. Her dad was a lumberman. As the guys are going into the woods, they hear a splash. They see the girl standing on a log near a stream. They say, what happened? And she said, well, a big hairy wolf had me. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, the location that the kids are found in don't make sense. Sometimes these kids that I write about are found like a two or three year old are found 10 to 15 miles from the point where they're last seen or they're found 5,000 feet higher in elevation from where they disappeared. And as a parent, you'll know my kid wasn't going to make that distance in this amount of time or climb that elevation in this period of time. So it doesn't make sense. Do you think, uh, uh do you think the fate everyone, they, they seem to re- reject some, uh, some children then or some, some possible victims. Yeah, I don't know why. It's weird. So yeah, like this girl, she called him Mr. Wolf. She said he ate the hat off her head or gloves. She wouldn't, he wouldn't let her leave or call out for help but he fed her berries from a nearby bush. That's really all I got. Okay. Well, that was nice of him at least. I did start looking up some like international cases where there are, you know, just as many weird things. Oh yeah. But I didn't get into any of those. I didn't have enough time. And this is by far nowhere near a comprehensive list of everything weird going on. Oh, I'm sure there's yeah. There's got to be a ton more. <laughs> there's got to be a ton more weird stuff than we even know about. Right? Think about all the things that are unreported. <gasps> I can't right? even. I can't even. I just, I honestly think that, like, these Native American stories, just like the stories of, you know, the Vikings or the ancient Celts, you know, they're all fae. It's all fae. They're all the same being. It's a different part of the world. You know, these fae folk, they were here. They've been here. <clears throat> you know, they probably still are here. They're obviously still here. They're taking these children, taking these people for some reason. What Do you think they were wanna, they're trying to communicate something to us? So they, are they trying to give us a message maybe by stealing the children? I feel like, I feel like the point of communication is gone like they're like they're past that they just do it for like kicks now i don't i don't think they're good anymore oh you know i think we kind of screwed screwed ourselves maybe when we invented iron or something i don't know we pissed them off for some reason they're never gonna let it go they're not gonna move on is what you're saying i mean you know maybe there's some out there that are good still can't they make exceptions when there's a human that's worthwhile yeah like like us you guys like us. Maybe. I think if they knew that we were paying homage to them, what do you say? That? Or maybe we're going to piss them off. Maybe they don't want us to talk about them and they're going to get us. No. I don't like I it. said, like I said, like, 
this stuff scares me to the point where I don't want to bring my own kids to White Rocks. You know, I don't want to bring them up there mm. because of this. Oh dear. You must. You must, you must face, face your fear. You must face your fears and the Fae will know, they'll recognize you as a person who is advocating for them. Really? <laughs> you know, they'll be like, hey, that's the guy that has the podcast. <clears throat> you know, they just want to be acknowledged. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just, I can't see it like that for some reason. No. I, I hear You hear all these stories all these Native American tales, none of them are good. They're always cannibalistic in some way. They want to kill people. They want to eat people. They see them in the woods. You know, you see them from behind. They look like a porcupine. They turn around. They shoot you with a poisoned arrow. Like, oh. All right. I'm going to, I feel like, I, I hope we don't get mad, but I feel like I want to draw a parallel and, make, and, and come up with kind of a little a bit of a theory. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm going to draw a parallel to the tales of the Brothers Grimm from the old European landscape. <clears throat> and I, I feel like the same thing with like the Native American tales and the tales. All the old tales are very frightening. And it's usually something about kids, like something about like threatening kids to get, they're going to be like taken away or like devoured by a witch or something. I believe, I thinking... I mean, not that I'm not saying it's not real, but I think also these tales were made to scare children so they would behave and not wander off. Mm. But right. th that's one, that's just one, one thought I had, you know, like the <clears throat> original like tale of like, what's one that's been Disneyfied? Hmm. Can we think of one? One of those, uh, little red riding hood. Yeah. For example, I don't know if Disney ever did that. Well, though. I don't know. Like uh, Hansel and Gretel, pretty pretty gruesome. Han Solo. Disney does have the rights to Han Solo. You're right. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just some thoughts. Yeah, like uh, who shot first? You know, Greedo or Han? Come Han, on, come on. Everybody knows it's Han. <laughs> they edited it. They didn't want him to look like a bad guy. No, I know. Greedo. No, then that's where it gets tricky. Like, are these are these just stories to scare people? Are these real? I mean, I you believe know. there's another realm, but <clears throat> I'm not sure. I don't know. You say you don't think no, there's another? No, I do believe that. Like, I'm a believer in that. I've been out in the woods, and you can feel it. You can feel the presence of. Like, I don't. Spirits. I don't know if we got yes. into this last week, but like parallel universe you know yeah that's definitely the fairy realm i re i believe in that but i'm thinking like a lot of the stories we hear about them being like these um horrible devouring creatures that are horrible and they want to try to kill you and steal your children i think those are made by humans similar to the story of jesus's teachings which were probably a lot different but like used as like tales of warning like don't wander off or... And I'm not trying to be a druggie here. I'm not trying to advocate for the use of psychedelics. <laughs> but man, you guys know, when you do... When you are under the influence of psychedelics and you are out in nature, there are things that undeniably present themselves to you that are there. Legitimately there. Yeah, your senses are just more in tune to them. It's true. So they must be there all the time. They I are. mean, that's what the thing. What about like yeah, the machine true. elves? Machine? Yeah, you ever heard of the machine elves? No. Like on DMT trips and stuff. 
Mm-mm. There's like always these, or like uh, ayahuasca. There's always they call them the machine elves. I, I mean, obviously, I've never done, I've never done DMT. I was close to doing it. It got thrown away. I don't want to get into it, but uh, or I have obviously never done ayahuasca. Same. But I've listened to these stories of these machine elves, and they appear to every single person oh. who does it. What do they look like, please? I'm assuming like robot elves. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Ew. I don't know. I don't know. Scary. I don't like it. Like you hear about them talk about these machine elves. Like, what is that? Where do they come from? I don't know. Interesting. 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 Like the worst trip. I, I wasn't the worst, but the most vivid trip I ever had was on Salvia. And I would, at the moment that it was happening, I would have told you everything was real. Like, this is happening. This is reality right now. It was so crazy. Because, in a way, it is reality. Like, did I enter the fake realm for that one minute? Because I had moved Mm -hmm. across the room. I had moved across the room I was in. And obviously, I didn't know it. Like, was I in another dimension at at that moment or what? I was looking down at myself through... There was like a little doorway. I was looking through the doorway. I could see myself and everyone else sitting on the couch. Um, and when I came out of it, I was across the room trying to fit through the, this, these slats on a like on a cabinet, like a little, uh, uh, you know, like a little table. It had like these wooden slats. And I was trying to fit through the slat when I actually thought I was looking through a doorway. I've been there. I've been there, but not quite the same. But like, but yeah, you, you, you were, you did visit another realm, my friend. Totally. Totally. Like it was the crazy, it was the craziest trip I ever had. Wow. I just want to talk about it really quick. I got to tell someone, I don't know if I ever told, told bank this or not, but, um, I love so it. I, I, I love it. I had smoked the purple salvia out of a, a, a water pipe. Cause I, I heard that's how you're supposed to do it to get the best effect yes that was the only way i have ever done it um and so i was sitting on a couch i was sitting on a couch i had friends i had two friends on either side of me it's called divine when i had done it it like i was like transported into like space or something there were stars everywhere Mm -hmm. i was being whipped around in a like an oblong circle at a motion shape i don't know what you want to call it I was being whipped around like like I was in orbit, and um, the clock guy from Beauty and the Beast was there, <laughs> and he was like, "You have one chance to make it back. You have one chance to make it back." And I was being like, I guess I was like trying to be slingshotted through the doorway that I was looking down through, and he was like, "You got one chance to make it back." Oh my God! Apparently, I made it back. Oh and my goodness! I, I yes, you're here. If it's actually you. <gasps> like was I in a um, maybe I'm a changeling maybe now you're a different alternate to alternate I don't know but that's that, cool like, I've, I've never taken enough LSD to trip like that or or mushrooms I I have done them but it I've never had a trip like that no salvia is a whole different thing like I was in another world at the time salvia regina Divinorum. And I never really thought of it that way until right now. Salvia divinorum. That's really cool, Nick. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's like pretty cool. It's really not good for 
Sorry, sorry. Like, I can't believe you can buy that stuff at the fucking store. Right? What <laughs> store? Any gas station. That'll really mess you up. Just you very gas stations for like, have it? For like 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't long at all. And then you're back into reality. And that's not long enough, probably. Well, all right, we need to take an almost cannon field trip. The magic mushroom. Okay. And Nicholas, the White Rocks. Nicholas, you are not allowed to, are you? <laughs> at White Rocks. Yeah, we could try White Rocks. I'm just really afraid to bring my family up there. Don't worry, man. You'll have uh, Darcy more stars to protect you. Yeah, you say that now, but when we're fucking little Jimmy's missing. No, I've already been there, and they they welcome me back there. I'm actively trying to reach the Fae, so I think... Um, well, you should definitely go there, because it's a boulder field. I know what it looks like. I've seen pictures yeah. of it. You can slip down in between some boulders. No one would ever know. Into a it's cavern a huge boulder below. field. I, I heard there was caves there, there that have caves. ice in them year-round. Yes, they do, in fact. I didn't see the caves. There's caves down in the down in the way, way bottom of it. Oh. It's very yeah. cold down there. It's like freezing cold. It's weird. We got to go back. We got to go back. And there are three. Vermont has these three stories of lost gold that are all very similar. The three stories. And one of the stories says that the gold is there. So... Yeah. Okay. Well, gold? bring your oh, yeah. bring your pickaxe. Bring your pickaxe and a little kind of backpack. No, it's gold. like it's like gold doubloons, like gold coins. Oh, okay. Spanish gold. No pickaxe needed. Scratch no that. Pick. Just just shovel and metal detectors. Boxes. Hmm. Wow. Well, this has been really very very interesting. Thanks for letting me sit in on this, you guys. Um, this has been an amazing episode. I'm so happy you've been here, Darcy. Yeah, Nick, it was good. a pleasure to, to listen to these um, tales of the Fae. You have to leave, don't you? I have to. I do. I have to head up the road. Um, you guys, uh, stay out of trouble. Don't uh, don't wear any jewelry in the forest and don't step into any fairy rings. Nick, um, what do you got? Can we wrap it up or are we, uh, we going to keep going? Nope, mm-hmm. that's it. That's all I got. All right. Fae well, folk. Give us Native the Native American tales. Are they Fae folk? Yes. Are they stories to scare children? I want yes. Faye folk. I want it to be Faye. It's all of the above. And that's almost canon. <laughs>